amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to Killer Queens. Yippee. Here we are. <laughs> yippee. Hooray. <laughs> it's all I want to say right now. I don't know why. Because yeah. I'm excited. That's why. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a lot of yippees. Hey. Uh, if you're new here, you know, welcome for the first time. If you're not, welcome back, bitches. We're only calling you bitches because we don't know your names individually. individually. And uh, let's see. So we won't do too much of the business, but we do have a couple of announcements. So we're going to give you a little bit of the business. Little bit of business. We're going to do our business now. <laughs> we're going to drop some info <laughs> while we drop some trowel. Yeah. You are also into dropping trowel lately. Well, it's New Year's, baby. That's true. Tori's getting wild. <laughs> so, couple things. We are introducing some new Patreon tiers. So, if you are not supporting us on the Patreon, then now would be the time. Yeah, that's the place to be, man. So, we've got some new tiers coming out, and we are super excited to introduce in our $10 tier um, episode by episode coverage of docuseries. Yay! <laughs> And we're going to start with Chris Watts, Family Man, Family Murderer, Family Man, Family Murderer. <laughs> Jeez. That was messy. I believe it's an ID thing, but I, I know it's on Hulu. Um, and that's actually just one episode. So docu-series, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Right. <laughs> and then um, the next one we're going to do is Don't Fuck With Cats. I'm yes! so excited. It was heartbreaking and all the things mm. and I am ready to cover it. So Yeah, we've had so many people ask us to do that. So we're going to start doing the episode by episode thing. We've got more up our sleeve, but it's just going to get better and better. Absolutely. So if you're not on there, you know, get on there. Yeah, it's off the chain. Exactly. Because we've already got, you know, we already do the regular episodes. And then if you're in the $10 level, you'll get the mixtape every week, which we've revamped a little bit as well. It's going to be more in-depth and cover single cases, so just mini-sodes of individual things. And then the docu-series coverage, so you could get us three times a week. That's more than my husband does. <laughs> <laughs> Saucy. It's sad and funny, but true. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so we're super excited about that. And um, also, if you've never been here before, we like to just, you know, let someone know that it's, you know, lighthearted. We really just want you to feel like you're sitting around a table, maybe with a glass of wine. Just gal palin with your favorite sisters. Yeah, just hanging out, talking about true crime. Our favorite iTunes reviews or any reviews are the ones that say, I just feel like I'm talking to my own sisters or best friends or whatever about a case. So that's what we are aiming to do. Yeah, and sometimes we're your less smart, way dumber sisters or friends but still more dumber -er. we're way more dumber -er, but <laughs> yes so just know we're conversation based yeah we're not super structured nope. and hopefully you strap in and have a great fucking time hell yeah all right 
I'm done doing my business. Are you done doing yours? Yeah, I think I'm ready. All right. So now we'll get into today's case, which is the Hannah Graham case. Okay. So today's case is Hannah Graham. And thank you to Joseph Bowden for requesting it. He's trying to catch up with Laura on the most requests for the episodes. Ooh. Yeah, and I think he's getting up there. We got a little competition going on. Yep. Laura, are you going to let him take your spot? You in danger, girl. <laughs> you in danger, girl. Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got two avid requesters. Love it. Oh, and thank you to Sloan for, of course, helping us with the research. Yes, and everything that you do. Yes, thank you for being our shining star. We love everything you do. September 12, 2014. On that night, 18-year-old Hannah Graham was any other college student. She was getting ready and then going out to a couple parties to do some good old-fashioned underage drinking. How are you, my old friend, (laughs) underage drinking? Yeah, that's an excellent episode of Clone High if you've never seen it. Yes, it's really great. It's a great one. Everybody's been there. I remember when I first started underage drinking. Are you referring to me being judgmental? Oh, yes. I thought you were. Tori was, like, so disappointed in me as a person. I still haven't gotten over it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I wasn't there yet, so I didn't understand. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just needed to pass judgment. That's just what I needed to do, okay? Yeah, it was really funny. She was basically just like, I don't even know you anymore. I was so disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, and then flash forward a couple years later, and we're, like, playing beer pong together. Exactly. And like flip cup, um, chasing vodka with vodka. (laughs) Yeah. But in a college town, you got the pregame and then you have the going out and then you have the after party typically. Sure. And then you have the Taco Bell. Well, yes. Unless somewhere along the way you vomed in your weave. Yeah. And and you're clipping extensions and then then you got to go to bed. Call it a night. Go to bed. Eat some hamburger buns and call it a night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's all you can get down. We've all we've all been there. Yep. So at 9.30 p.m., Hannah left the Camden Plaza Apartments, which is a few blocks from her own apartment in the Grand Mark Apartments. She's caught on the security camera video in the hallway while walking out of the building. There's a ton of security, like surveillance video, all over Charlottesville of her walking because she wherever she went she walked that night and if there's ever a town that has got their security camera game on point it's charlottesville yeah because how many cases do we cover here about and we're always security cameras they just weren't working yeah they didn't happen to be working that night i'm like what's going on here why do you even have them you have one job security camera work just record and then if they are recording it's like, oh, the timestamp we is off. We were actually just looking right past you. Yeah, it was facing the opposite direction that day. Why? Hannah comes back to the Camden Plaza apartments at 11.50 p.m. and meets up with her friends. They're not aware of it at this time, but it's the last time they'll ever see their friend alive. So Ugh. sad. Can you, like, put that into perspective? Like, every time you see somebody could be the last time you see them. Wow. September the 13th, 2014. So this is just, you know, on into the night here. Almost an hour later at 1246 a.m., Hannah goes to McGrady's Pub on Grady Avenue where she looks 
visibly intoxicated. She's not like fall down drunk. But she's stumble drunk. Yeah, she's kind of stumbling. You can definitely see that. Like uneasy on her feet type of. Yeah. And yeah, and just the way she's walking, like you, it almost, and if you go look at the surveillance video, you'll see it, but it's almost like, um, sometimes it's like you're walking harder than you mean to kind of thing where you're almost like leaning a little bit like or like you know where you mean to go yeah but it takes more effort than it should to get there (laughs) yeah yeah at 1 a.m she's seen on the surveillance video at a shell gas station near the uva campus and in the video she runs into view and then before she goes off the other side of the screen she starts walking again so that's a little odd too she's running. I'm not really sure why. Like, I'm not sure what that means or if she was just getting in a hurry or I don't know. But maybe it's like the physical embodiment of voice modulation. Like, you know, like when you're drunk, you don't, you speak different. So maybe it's like you start out running and you're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to slow her down now. I don't know. Yeah. At 1.06 a.m., she walks by Sal's Pizza on East Main Street, where she is once again caught on surveillance video. On the video, a white man walks into view, looks over his shoulder, and then steps into the doorway. When Hannah walks past him, he starts walking behind her. So it's almost like he ducks in somewhere and then starts to follow her, which is pretty fucking suspicious. Yeah. Later, the man tells police that he started following her because she seemed to be distressed and he wanted to make sure she was safe. Then when she's walking, it looks kind of like in a courtyard area, like there's restaurants and stuff around, shops maybe. She's walking in one direction and you can see people walking in the other direction closer to the camera. And you see a guy come across the screen. He is pretty tall. He's pretty stocky like a big guy stout yeah he's got dreadlocks he's pretty easily identifiable like he's he's somebody that you would notice and that's going to come into play a little bit later but he goes kind of off screen but then you see him come back onto the screen going the other way right behind where hannah had just been walking you know he's changed course and started to what appears to be follow her yeah he's not directly behind her but she's going in that direction and he deliberately changes course so that's noticeable yes and what where they are it's kind of like an outdoor mall Yeah. So then at 1.08 a.m., Tools Jewelers catches her from their in-store security camera walking by outside, and the white man who had ducked into the doorway or whatever, he's still walking behind her. Then Hannah and the man with dreadlocks, who appeared to do that, like, about face to follow her, go into Tempo Restaurant and Bar on 5th Street Southeast. He buys alcohol. They stay for about 15 minutes before he and Hannah are seen leaving the restaurant together. And he's got his arm around her waist. Yeah, when they zoom in on the video, he's got his arm around her waist. And later, an eyewitness is going to tell police at the bar that they were in there together, but that when they were leaving, Hannah said to that the man, I'm not going to get in your car. So it seemed like he was trying to get her to go with him, and she was saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Hannah texts her friends at 1.20 a.m. saying, I'm coming to a party, but I'm lost. And then that would be the last time Hannah contacted anyone. So scary. It's really scary because how many times, you know, when you're out, especially in a college town, like in Murfreesboro, we couldn't walk anywhere unless we were on the square, but we didn't go there a whole lot. And, you know, when I would go visit Andrew in Knoxville, we'd walk to all these bars and there were plenty of times that I was like, 
oh, I'm going to go meet, you know, the girls at one bar if the guys were like watching a game or whatever. I would walk by myself. And you don't even think about it because it just, especially when you're drinking, you've, you're invincible. You don't feel like anything yeah. could get, get you unless you're us and we think everybody's out to get us. But yeah, but even then I was just like, whatever. Or I would, if Andrew hadn't come out with us that night for whatever, like if it was just the girls going out when I was ready to go home, I'd just walk back to his apartment from the bar. And that's, I mean, it's late at night. I'm by myself and it's, you know, however long it's like a 15 minute walk or something like anything could happen. Mm -hmm. So it's scary, but it's like people do it all the time. Yeah. It just sucks to think that like, if you're going to walk alone, that you're now basically prey. Exactly. Well, and watching other documentaries and, you know, things like that, they say women and children are the most vulnerable, therefore the easiest prey. Yeah. Which pisses me off so bad. Like, yeah. I get on a tiny little feminist high horse and I'm like, um, no. Yeah. If you're alive, you should not be, you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want to do whenever you want to do it. Yeah. I mean, because then you, then you get into some of that stuff where people are like, well, you shouldn't wear a short skirt if you don't want guys, you know, touching you or hitting right. on you or whatever. You shouldn't walk alone if you don't want to be raped. Like, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that just perpetuates rape culture because we're saying shaming yeah and who who has to make the changes we do we have to buddy up we have to change what we're wearing we have to do all these things you can't smile too much you can't be too quote-unquote flirty like all these things because you're asking for it right yeah exactly like then it just puts you in a position to be hurt or whatever and somehow that's the victim's fault because men shouldn't be expected to control those urges. Right. They can't help themselves. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck. Fuck you guys. Right? (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah. So a little background on Hannah. Um, Hannah Elizabeth Graham was born on February 25th, 1996 in Reading, England. When she was five years old, her parents moved the family to America. I was kind of surprised when I listened to interviews with them because they have a British accent. And I was like, I didn't think Hannah was British, but... Yeah, at first I was thinking she was a foreign exchange student or something. Yeah. Or like, came, you know, studied abroad or something like that. Yeah. But it makes sense. They would still, you know, they grew up there, so... It takes a long time to iron that out. Yeah. At the time of her disappearance, she was a sophomore at the University of Virginia studying global public health. Hannah was described as optimistic and happy, bright, personable, trusting extremely loyal and without prejudice. And her friend Lindsay told 48 Hours that Hannah was like the moon. She reflected the light in the world. What a sweet... No, I was like, that is so beautiful. Well, almost everybody in the 48 Hours was so eloquent. Like, they just well-spoken. Very, yeah. Very... I don't know the words because I'm not a smart person, but it was real pretty to listen to with my ears. Yeah. Pretty listening over yep. there. Yeah. <laughs> they, and yeah, just to describe her like that, I'm like, I would never think to describe somebody that way. And it's just so beautiful. It is. Like, I loved it. Hannah loved to help others and did volunteer work with Habitat for Humanity in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where she helped rebuild after a tornado. Hannah loved learning French. She was musical. She played the piano as a kid and later alto saxophone. She was also athletic, playing softball and ski racing. And she ended up being the softball captain. Did she? Yeah. 
good for her. I know. She's kind of an all-around, uh, she's a total package. Oh, yeah. And she was, like, 5'10 or something, like, a supermodel documentary hour. Oh, yeah, for sure. Her outfit that she was wearing that night, she looked so cute. I wish I had one-tenth of that bod. I know. And she just really did seem like, you know, I mean, we can't, there are people who have been murdered who unfortunately like we're not great people like it happens to everybody every Mm -hmm. type of person but hannah is one of those that just by all accounts just seemed like a real like salt of the earth kind of person just very sweet like a true light in the world yeah lending a helping hand and you know going for public health there's a lot of things that you can do with that but they're all in service to humanity essentially so You can tell she definitely was passionate about helping people. Mm -hmm. People who knew her just knew that one day she was going to change the world. And unfortunately, she would do that, but in the worst way possible by helping put away a serial rapist and murderer. Okay, so back to the investigation, trying to find Hannah. When the police were looking over the surveillance videos and talking to witnesses, they found that Hannah was talking to a man named Jesse Matthew Jr. So he is the person on the surveillance footage walking past the camera with the dreadlocks and then turning back around to follow her. Matthew had been witnessed that night grabbing and touching women in other bars without their consent. People called him aggressive. They said that he was just super grabby. He didn't want to take no for an answer. He made people uncomfortable. All that kind of stuff. And he was described as incredibly socially awkward. Like, yeah. 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 And he'd been turned down by numerous women at other bars that night before he was seen with Hannah. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he had an idea of how his night wanted to go or how he wanted his night to go. And he was not taking no for an answer. So he was just going to keep looking for. Mm hmm. Yeah. What he was after. And we know that that witness said, I kind of jumped the gun on that. But, you know, the one that said, I'm not going to get into that car with you. She knew that there was something up with this guy. Her radar was still up. It wasn't that she was so intoxicated she had no idea what was going on. She did. Uh, Matthew was the man that had been seen in the restaurant with her and had been witnessed putting his arm around her. She was had obviously been drinking, and witnesses said that he didn't look very friendly. His credit card report shows that he bought two drinks and closed a tab at Tempo around 1 a.m., They left the restaurant, and after that, it's unknown what happened. However, this is where, why I jumped the gun. Witnesses reported that they did hear her say, I'm not getting in that car with you. What is it, stolen? Oh. Yeah. It actually took, so I wonder what car it was, though, because you don't see, they said the only place that she went that night that they didn't have surveillance video for other than where she ended up was the Tempo bar so like when they went in there they know that they were in there together because eyewitnesses placed them together they walked in there and they have his credit card receipt they know he was there too but where was the car i wonder like where was his car parked right outside of tempo like i wonder what kind of car it was well if tempo was part of the outdoor mall it seemed like it was one of those like you said it was a courtyard it seemed like it was in like a u shape or something yeah where the only access for parking, I don't think you could park in the inside of yeah. where the restaurant or the shops and stuff were. There would be no way to get over there. You would have to walk to it, correct? Like, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. I would think but so, yeah. So, it's just, I'm just wondering, confusing. like, 
where did these people, were they also in the parking lot, like, leaving at the same time? I'm just wondering where they... Where they were to have heard her, overheard her say that. Because if she just says, I'm not getting in a car with you, that could have been still inside. But then when she said, what is it, stolen? It it seems seems like she's she's close enough to it to be like, "Uh -uh." Looking at the car. I'm not getting into that car with you. What is it, stolen? So just seems like, I don't know. I'm just, I would be interested to know where that was. Mm Mm-hmm. It actually took police a week to identify Matthew, but he became a person of interest quickly because he was most likely the last person to have seen Hannah alive. Co-workers and friends of Matthew's reported that after the date of Hannah's disappearance, he started acting odd. They said he was late for work, then he wouldn't acknowledge his co-workers when he was there. When asked how he was doing, he told them he was not okay. He also had a swollen jaw and complained of tooth pain. That's huge. Very. Where did you get that swollen jaw? And he worked at a hospital. He was a driver. Like, he drove patients. Oh, yeah. For a hospital. I didn't realize where. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's weird. After Hannah disappeared, Matthew rarely left his apartment and he was not answering phone calls at all. On September the 19th, police showed up at Matthew's home where he told them that on the night in question, He was drunk and didn't remember talking to Hannah at all that night. Well, whatever. (laughs) They have him on video. I mean, it's possible, you know. I'm sure there's plenty of times. There's been plenty of times where I went back through, like, digital camera photos. This was back when we hit. You had to bring your phone and digital camera out with you. Exactly. And um, I've been like, oh, when did that happen? It's like the Hangover movie in real life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When did we do this? Yeah, when did we meet this person? Why did I dance with that person? Yeah, so it's possible, but, you know, whatever. On September 21st, but did he drive home that night? That's what I'm saying. Like, Mm -hmm. on September 21st, a warrant for Matthew's arrest was issued for reckless driving. So... We just need to haul his ass in for something. Mm-hmm. And luckily, he breaks all of the laws, so that works out well. On Bold sep- move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Exactly. That's one thing I never understand is if you, like Joel Rifkin, like, you know, you're carrying fucking dead bodies all over the place, and you're not going to... I I don't know. Wouldn't I, you want to mind your P's and Q's? Exactly. Like, wouldn't you be double-checking, make sure you don't have any headlights out, any taillights out? At least use your fucking blinker, don't bitch. Yeah, don't let your license plate expire. Yeah. All these little tiny infractions. Don't speed, don't, yeah, don't drive recklessly. Like, you would think you would be going the speed limit. You'd be trying to stay, fly under the radar. Yeah, stay between the mayonnaise and the mustard. They get him in for that. On September 22nd, police search Jesse Matthews' apartment. In it, they find a cell phone that hasn't had service as since September 13th, fishy, a pair of shorts with Hannah's DNA on them, and another sample of Hannah's DNA on the passenger door of his car. They were able to get that with a swab, so... Shut up. If you don't remember talking to her, okay, how did she end up in your car? How did her DNA end up on clothes in your house? You don't remember that part? I mean, it is, let's just say, for sake of argument, it is entirely possible that you could not remember any of this stuff. However, it does not make you not guilty. Right. Yeah. So. And it is suspicious. It's very like, uh, from slackers, like, it fell out of your hair that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, 
nobody's seen her since then, so you need to be the one coming up with some damn answers. Oh, exactly. So Matthew agreed to meet with police the next day, and then um, he big fat didn't do it. (laughs) Surprise. Yeah. So he literally withdrew all the money in his bank account. He got a new driver's license, and he got the fuck out of there. He uh, went on the lam. Yep. On September 24th, 2014, a super vigilant woman in Galveston, Texas, spotted Matthew on the beach and called the police who promptly arrested him. I love this woman. When I, they She's interviewed a her. badass. A badass. She's sitting, she had an SUV. She had the back end of the SUV, the whatever, back hatch or whatever, up. She's sitting, she's just trying to enjoy her like beautiful day at the beach. And she sees a man in, in a tent. Mm-hmm. like 10 yards away from her and she saw the because they ran a mugshot and like a wanted poster on all of the news uh, in everywhere, everywhere in america yeah and so she was like that guy looks kind of familiar and then he gets in his car and he drives past her and while he's driving past her he's like glaring at her and she knows that that's who that is right she knows that yeah. that's jesse matthew yeah so she's like should i stick around and make sure that he's gonna stay here so i can tell the police exactly where he is or should i get the fuck out of here because he could kill me yeah i'm obviously in danger yeah you in danger girl yeah and she stayed she stayed and she like not only did she stay she called like every police department in the area until somebody like took her seriously and listened and did something about it yeah i mean that's and she's so humble about it. She's just like, I, I just did what I, w- what I was meant to do. I just did what, what anybody would do. And yeah. we live in a society now where people wouldn't do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. She's awesome. Go, girl. Yeah. So because of her, I mean, say she was too scared to call, which I wouldn't have, I wouldn't blame her at all if yeah, she didn't understandable. Stay. If she called and was like, hey, I was at this beach and I hope he's still there. Like, I wouldn't fault her for that at all. But if she had the bystander effect thing or whatever, like somebody else will call or I'm not sure if that's him or I don't know if that's important or whatever. Or even if she was just like, you know, not my deal, I'm not going to call whatever. Imagine how many other people could have gone missing after that. Well, and they found in his car, he had a map of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like he was not planning on staying around very long. He was planning on making a break for Mexico. Yeah, absolutely. He was, yeah. And Galveston is very far south. What, two blocks away from (laughs) Mexico? So obviously that's where he was headed. Right. So since he was in Texas, the police there Skyped with a judge in Virginia who read him his rights and his charges. So isn't this amazing? Because typically, I mean, I love technology, but I hate it because I'm nostalgic and I want an answering machine and I want a cordless telephone. But... Isn't it so awesome that we live in an age where you can just fucking do that? Because had it been 20 years ago, how long would that have taken? Exactly. That would have been like a month later. Yeah, and he would have been gone. Yeah. One eternity later. <laughs> um, so they read him his rights. They go over the charges with him. And that was when he was charged with abduction and intent to defile. To defile. Yeah. yeah. And during the video conference... After the judge gone has gone over all the charges, Matthew has the audacity to complain that the police took all of his clothes from him and he has to sleep on a hard thing. And I feel like I'm uh like I should like I should be able to have some kind of clothes. And the judge is like, You appear to be wearing a jumpsuit to me, so looks like you're dressed. Like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me, dude? Somebody took your favorite cargo shorts? Yeah, exactly. Come like on. Yeah, this isn't what I picked out to wear today. Um, could I have my suitcase back? 
that's, no, that's toddlers. Yeah. Five weeks after she disappeared on October 18th, police are alerted to remains found in an abandoned property. On October 24th, the remains were confirmed to belong to Hannah Elizabeth Graham. An autopsy confirmed that she was either choked or smothered, and her nose had been broken in the struggle. Oh, my goodness. That's so violent. Ugh. After his arrest... Now, this is where it gets starts getting fucking crazy, too, because you've got Hannah who went missing... But then you're starting to hear reports of all of these other girls that have gone missing in that area over the previous however many years, and they kind of all fit the same pattern. But when they get his DNA and they put it into the system, it pops up as a match to two other cases. One is an assault and one is a murder case. So five years before Hannah's murder, On October 17, 2009, Morgan Harrington and her friends went to John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia for a Metallica concert. And that night, she wore a Pantera t-shirt because you cannot wear... The band that you're going to see, you cannot wear their t-shirt to the show. You know, I did not actually know that. Um, All of our NSYNC days... Um, I wouldn't be caught dead at an NSYNC concert without a Lance Bass t-shirt on, so (laughs) I don't know who made that rule. I don't know who made that rule either because... My husband said that you can't do that. Yeah, I've heard it's a thing now, but I didn't know about that. So yeah, I definitely wore my Justin shirt to the NSYNC concert. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because he's all you've ever wanted. uh Uh-huh. But other bands, I don't even know if I had band t-shirts. Like I had a few. Yeah. I feel like I had some, but like... I don't know why, but the Newfound Glory concert is jumping into my head for some reason, but I never had one of their shirts. We so had a starting line shirt, and we went to the starting line concert. Did we wear them? I think we wore them. I think we did. Wow, we're losers. <laughs> I mean, I knew that already. <laughs> During the opening act, Morgan told her friend that she had to go to the bathroom, but when she didn't come back, her friend started to call her cell phone. So at that time, she did answer her phone, and she told them that she had gotten locked out of the arena because they had a no reentry policy. And I've seen a lot of people be like, how would you end up outside when you're going to the bathroom? But that actually happened to Allison when we went to the UT and Virginia Tech game at the Bristol Speedway thing or whatever. So she had to go to the bathroom. That was a big game, too, wasn't it? It was huge, yeah. And so that arena is huge. And she had gotten up to go to the bathroom, and she was actually trying to find her way to where, because we didn't all have tickets together. So she was trying to find her way to, like, where we were sitting. And just the way that it was set up, she she thought it would be easier, instead of going around in this, like, big circle, it would be easier to go out. And, and come to another entrance. Yeah, and hit another entrance. And But she didn't realize that they had a no reentry policy, even though she had her ticket in her pocket. She, they wouldn't let her back in. So she called me and said, hey, they're not letting me back in. And I was like, well, I don't care about this game. I'll come meet you. So we walked back to our camping spot, which was along that highway. And we walked pretty far. So like, it's just, again, it like, how many times do you do stuff like this? And like in the 48 hours, She's saying her friends call. She says, I got locked out or whatever. I can't get back in. Don't worry about it. I will find my own way to like the next place that we're going. I'll see you there. And the 48 hours lady is like, it's a casual decision. And she gave her life for it. 
it's just so sad it is and she didn't even get to see who she went to go see like no she didn't she had to go to the bathroom which is like totally happens and according to witnesses that night at the show it appears that she had fallen or somehow hit her face before she left the arena because when she went into the bathroom people said that they did see her and that her face was bleeding so she definitely was injured um and and maybe because of you know drinking or i don't know what happened but she was bleeding somewhat at 9:30 p.m. she was seen hitchhiking and witnesses saw her talking to a man she was never seen again after that the next day her purse and her cell phone were found on the UVA athletic field but after 3 days there was still no sign of morgan On November 11th, police found a bloody Pantera t-shirt like the one Morgan had been wearing at the concert. The blood on the t-shirt was tested and was found to contain Morgan's DNA. Other than the pieces of evidence they found, there were no leads to help direct police to where Morgan could be. At 9.53 a.m. on January 26, 2010, a farmer reported to police that he'd found human remains on his farm. So he was going to, like, check his fence line and... Which is another, like, I mean, that farm is so big, it's a wonder he he found her at all. You know, if it had been anywhere else on the farm, he might not have, but because he was checking that fence line. Just that particular spot. Yeah. At he that was able. T- like, that day of the year. Yeah. Because I'm sure, you know, I mean, he would have found it eventually, I guess, but. Maybe. I mean, maybe not. Yeah. Um, the remains were confirmed to be Morgan Harrington, and her parents told news outlets that while they couldn't disclose much about the condition of the body, they could confirm that Morgan had been brutally attacked. She had broken bones and then was left in a field exposed to the elements. Her parents said they only had bones left of their only daughter. That is so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And her pa- I mean, all of the parents are amazing in these situations. It's just, it's just crazy to think about going through something like that but morgan's parents really really got into that whole the whole activism thing and you know they're really trying to make moves and get some things changed and we'll talk about that a little bit later morgan's remains were found within six miles of where hannah's would be found five years later so are we looking at one perpetrator here is this a serial murderer Metallica actually stepped in and offered a $50,000 reward for any information leading to the murderer. I mean, that's cool. They used their platform, their star power, to help. They heard that she was missing. I mean, I think they actually did it the day after she went missing. I mean, I... They did, like, a video or whatever. I'm not a Metallica fan, I'll just say that. Their music doesn't do it for me, but I love what they did in this situation. I think that they seem to be really, really great people and really appreciate their fans yeah like genuinely care enough to put up fifty thousand dollars and they were like you know we're fathers too we would be devastated if we couldn't find our daughter and just that she had been at their concert yeah they have no connection to her other than the fact that she went to their concert that night. yeah and they just like took it upon themselves to jump in so i thought that was really cool meanwhile police get a hit on the dna it wasn't linked to a particular suspect but to another case from september 2005 so in hannah graham's case this is years later they get a hit to these two cases but at that time when morgan was found murdered 
they didn't have the suspect to match it with. So they just have, they put it in the system, see what comes up. It's going to get a hit to a previous attack on a woman in 2005. In a CBS 6 report, they talk about the attack. So the woman that was attacked goes by RG. She doesn't want her name released or anything like that. Totally understandable. So she said that on September 24th, um, at that time she didn't have a license or a car, she had walked to a Borders bookstore by her Fairfax home to do some reading. She lost track of time and walked home in the dark, and uh, before going home, she stopped at a grocery store. She testified that when she arrived near her home on Rock Garden Drive, she was approached by a stout African-American man with a beard. She said that he asked her some questions about an address, but she felt strange about it. She didn't feel comfortable, so she started walking faster toward her town home. Then she hears the man running after her. Terrifying. Terrifying. And before she could get to her home, he picked her up, she said, like you would a baby, and dropped her on the curb of the sidewalk. I cannot even. She said that he carried her off and dropped her several times, dragging her by her legs, and then he sat down on her legs so that she couldn't move. And this is a large guy. I mean, you are powerless. Yeah, that that guy sits on top of you. You're not going anywhere. No. She then said that he banged her head and she was screaming and crying and he ripped off her pants and underwear. She said that he hit her and covered her nose and face and choked her while he sexually assaulted her. She said that she was a virgin at the time and she fought hard to prevent the sexual assault by fighting back, unintentionally scratching her attacker. That is one thing that, like, if anybody ever attacks you, look at their face and scratch the hell out of them. Scratch the fuck out of them and scratch them if you can where it would be seen by somebody. You know, if it's like they could cover it with a shirt or whatever, but like if you can get them on their face, I mean, it's twofold. I think about stuff like that. If I were to be killed, sucks, but I want that DNA under my fingernails. That way and they can at least find the for person. them to have like defensive wounds as well to where you could be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. where'd you get those scratches? Exactly. Or Unless you got a brand new hairless cat like Rachel did, <laughs> where yeah. those scratches come from. Exactly. Because, and especially if they're on your face or whatever, because a lot of times after an attack happens or say they did find a victim's body and she had DNA under her fingernails, they might a- appeal to the public and say, do you know anybody who's acting strangely, who maybe has scratches on their face that you don't know where they came from, or their story about where they came from seems a little implausible. It, it can help for other people to notice, because by the time they get this person in the interrogation room, they may not have the scratches anymore. Right. But if somebody else saw them, that can help, mm-hmm. at least lead to them. Turned out that DNA matched Jesse Matthew. And, um, dino DNA. (laughs) Exactly. Pretty amazingly. So we know that Hannah and Morgan did not survive their encounters with Jesse Matthew. And I don't know that RG would have had Mark Castro not pulled into a parking space right when all this was happening. He said he was pulling into a parking space in the complex to watch a boxing match at a friend's house. And when he gets out of his car, he heard a woman trying to scream help. And he said that he saw 
RG without pants on and covered in blood and she was in really bad shape. He said that she looked nearly dead. I think that what happened is maybe Jesse saw the lights and it spooked him. Yeah, and he took off running. So she was trying to get help. She's laying there. So he went over to her. He said he never saw the attacker at all, but he could he ran over and saw her. Well, and he said he saw her and then he took off and tried to find the guy and was yelling, like, come out here, come out here. Yeah, come on out. Yeah. I'm here. And, um, of course, the guy never did. And then he went knocking on doors to get her help. So he was just knocking on any door that he could, and he was telling them, you need to get out here. We need to help this woman. Such he was, a hero. Yeah, he was not taking no for an answer. He was in it. Such a sweetie. When she got to the hospital that night, they did a rape kit on her, and... She talked to police and gave a composite sketch. Now, she did say it was after dark. And, of course, she's been brutally attacked. So, I'm sure that's really, really difficult. Especially if it's dark and you just can't really get as good of a look. And he picked her up from behind. But at least she did have a conversation with him before. So, she at least could see his face a little bit. But they were able to put together a composite sketch from that attack. Which is going to make a big difference later on. I mean, it just, it helps. It just helps, okay? (laughs) Okay. So, you know, they get the rape kit, they have DNA, and it was tested then, but at that time it couldn't be matched to any perpetrators. But at least they've got the DNA. So now we know that years later, they were able to match it because of Hannah Graham, but it also matched Morgan Harrington's case. So now we've got at least a serial offender. This is at least three cases that we know of, but in part two next time, we are going to go into the unfathomable amount of other cases that he's potentially tied to, and we'll go through the trials and all of those kind of things. So this is a great time if you're not done listening to this case and you are a patron, you're going to get it right now. Yep. Part two already in there. If you're not and you don't want to stop listening, why don't you hop on over to the Patreon, join it. Yep, and, and you you'll... could get that postcard from us. Did we talk about the postcard in this yeah. one? Okay, yeah, you get the postcard from us if you do it before January the 14th. So I think we forgot to say this in the beginning when we talked about the, the $10 tier and like all the new stuff that we're adding, but either join the Patreon now or upgrade to the $10 or more. Yeah, $10 or more. Then you also get a personalized personalized. (laughs) we both we both said words that weren't the same word (laughs) you get jinx a personalized postcard postcard from from us in the mail (laughs) in the real snail mail yep the real mail yes so you know that's something fun too so but it's got to be before january 14th because that's when the offer ends exactly yep So definitely jump on there. And as always, thank you for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.